Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, recording here on the other side of 1030, Monday night. And everyone in the world knows it is football season because we have had real football. Four quarters, at least, at the NFL level. In New England, of course, that was Patriots losing 25-20 to to the Eagles on Sunday. But in this household, my apartment, we know it is football season because on Monday nights, I sit alone and talk to myself. Welcome back to Pat's Interference Postgame Edition. This episode brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, as I mentioned before, occasionally we'll be joined by a beer or two. In this case, we are not. What I have for you, five takeaways. Five film takeaways after charting every single snap, offense and defense, of what the Patriots did in their loss to the Eagles. Again, as I said, 25-20. to 20 what it means moving forward, the nitty-gritty, the big-picture takeaways, uh, analytics, X and O's, etc. You can find everything that I found out on my film review at thebostonherald.com, where you pick up a paper if you really want. It looks a little prettier uh, in print. Really the only reason, if I'm being honest. And you know I'm being honest because this hurts the paper business. To pick up a newspaper nowadays is because it's prettier. But if you got 4 bucks or 250 or whatever it is now, I don't even know. Uh, please do it and support us there. You can also support this podcast as many as you have. And I want to take a second now to say thank you to those people who have answered the bell and the call of ratings and reviews on iTunes and Spotify. It has been a huge help. And the folks on YouTube, the comments, the likes, sharing, it helps us grow. And as you will notice here today and moving forward, we have some new sponsors. And that is as much as because of the hard work behind the scenes here as it is you giving us that feedback. So if you have a second, and I know you do because you're still listening. I think we're two, three minutes in here. Drop a rating. Give a review. Put something in the comments to help us get better and move forward and grow so we can get supported and build this out and bring you more interviews and better guests and everything moving forward. It's been a great year plus. Uh, and it, anything, a quick rating review would be supremely, supremely appreciated. And thanks to those of you who have done it. Now, five takeaways. Let's get right into it because you want to know about Patriots Eagles and then we'll get to mailback questions. Every single question that was asked of me on Twitter, I have an answer for you here today. But the number one takeaway for me, and I'm sorry for the folks who have listened from day one because you've heard me say this dozens of times before, but it deserves reiterating today. Number one is that we did not learn anything in the big picture about the Patriots on Sunday. And that's okay. Because you know what? The season opener, and here it comes, the quote, the phrase, is both the most anticipated game of the season and the least telling. And here's a stat, an example for you that, that just captures that perfectly. Tom Brady comes back, right? Sunday, tremendous ceremony. He's going to be a doctor in the Patriots Hall of Fame next year. Robert Kraft announced at a halftime ceremony. Brady spoke. It was great. My folks came down on a whim, uh, having watched every second of his career along with me when I was growing up. Really great to share that with them from across the stadium. Moving on, Tom Brady, as we all know, won seven Super Bowls. And in those seven seasons that he won the Super Bowl, he started a season opener six times. He gets suspended once to flake it. don't need to go over it. You want to know what his record was in the season openers of those Super Bowl campaigns? Tom Brady was two and four, okay? So you probably knew Tom Brady was a great quarterback. You might have even known already that the Patriots were a great team, but you didn't know that. Because of the season opener, you knew it because of the roster makeup and what they had done before. And so your feelings didn't change a whole lot from before those losses in 2001, in 2003, in 2014, his first year with the Bucks, okay, to after they happened. So what I'm telling you now is so however you felt about the Patriots, 
before kickoff, whether you were an optimist or a pessimist, it should stay the same. Because let's look at it like this. The Patriots entered kickoff as what? Four and a half point underdogs. They lost by five. Okay. According to Vegas, this game went exactly really as it should have. And that's not exactly what the odds mean and how they're split up, but we don't need to get into that. All you need to know is that this Patriots team stood up to the reigning NFC champions and yet committed the worst blunder of the game. Mac Jones is pick six. And that's ultimately why they lost. And so you didn't learn a whole lot about the Patriots who can stand up to most teams as they have recently in the last three years without Brady, but can't close the deal because Mac Jones did get 19 yards and 62 seconds away from the first signature win of his career, but he didn't seal the deal until they do that as a team. The Patriots are who they've been the last three years. And that means there's no change, no big picture takeaway, not to mention that when you do the equivalent in major league baseball or the NBA, we are in mid April or in that case, mid November. And what do you know about the Red Sox and the Celtics then? Nothing. Okay. How you feel about them is the same you did preseason. I'm just cautioning, especially with two rookies starting at guards, a defense that played really well. Special teams, we've got a lot to learn about. Chad Ryland didn't get to attempt a field goal. There's still a lot to learn. And the things we didn't know are still things we didn't know. The things we do know or think about the defense maybe uh, are still there. But as far as takeaway number one, no big picture takeaway. For the most part, it's a good thing because just ask Jets fans right now about big picture takeaways in week one. They only come about because of serious injury. The Patriots seem to have avoided that. That's good news. Okay, number two. Let's stick with Mac. Mac Jones was good under pressure. Okay, I had him down nine of 16 for 112 yards in two sacks. This is something, again, if you've been listening, you know, is so, so, so critical to this season because under pressure is where he struggled more than everybody in the league last season among quarterbacks worse than everybody except Zach Wilson, who's still playing right now and presumably stinking it up uh, against the bills as we record here. The point is the Patriots, if they want to make a leap, if Mac wants to make a leap again, I, I look at him as this crossroads, this fork in the road left is Baker Mayfield, former first round pick who bounces around the league. You can quibble about the talent, but I'm just talking about the trajectory of his career or to the right is Dak Prescott who, like Mac, had one of the best rookie seasons ever, regressed in year two, and then year three, returned to that level and goes on to be a clear face of the franchise. Mac Jones right now improved under pressure. What he did not do, however, was perform well in the face of pressure. And maybe you want to swap those descriptions, but you know what I mean. The bigger moments got the better of Mac. And when I look back at the first couple of drives, where, of course, I mentioned we had the pick six, that falls on him. The throw was high. Kendrick Bourne didn't get a hand on it after making some acrobatic leap that surely would have gotten at least a six from the finish judge at the Olympics. But the point is, Max seemed to have a little extra energy that he couldn't get a hold of. That was a big moment starting that game against a really good team and a really good pass rush in a critical season for him, his head coach, his offensive coordinator. And he wasn't good. And you don't have to take it from me. You could have watched the end of that game or the post-game press conferences where Max said himself he felt like he played his worst in the critical moments because in the end, he took a sack on each of the Patriots' final two drives. Those sacks were his fault. He had a delay of game penalty. When he was at first and 10 from the 19 with 102 left, overthrew Kayshawn Booty, uncompetitive play, one of those sacks. Then Bill O'Brien took the ball out of his hands on a screen on third and 11. I didn't like the play call either, for the record. 
But that spoke to Bill O'Brien assessing the offense as a whole. What was the best option given my offensive line and my quarterback? And right then, didn't have a whole lot of confidence in Mac in that moment. So I'm encouraged by Mac in the face of the pass rush where he didn't melt. He took hits. He delivered the ball. And that helped get them going in the second quarter, which we're about to talk about here. But in the biggest moments, ones that mean more, that are weighted more, that you can have a great statistical day as he did, over 300 yards for the fifth time in his career, three touchdowns, one picks, but you couldn't cover those last 19 yards and get to your statement. And that's still a lingering question, and that's fine. We just have to be able to look and go, okay, statistically it was fine, and you still really have a worry about him in the big moments while he took small steps. I it, it's it's There's a lot of cognitive dissonance there, okay? But welcome to week one. It's supposed to be confusing. Good under pressure, but not in the face of pressure. Okay, so you've heard me say before that you can win with the Patriots season over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You bet there, they win, you win too. Well, right now, new customers at FanDuel can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's win or lose for the Patriots. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This is for all you folks who live outside New England. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can be on with everything from spreads to player props and more. We give out bets here in the podcast all the time. More are coming. Listen and bet on FanDuel and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss from FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 year older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at fanduelcom sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. That's the day after the Patriots week two game against Miami. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV itself. YouTube TV base plan requires you to watch uh, NFL Sunday ticket. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. Subscription renews automatically, but you can cancel at any time. Okay, number three. The game turned. Patriots down 16-0. Mac Jones pick six. Ezekiel Elliott fumble. Um, Field goal in there for Philly after their opening drive when Bill O'Brien flexed his problem-solving skills. Now, this isn't all Bill O'Brien, because the Patriots, after their turnovers, go three and out, three and out, three and out. Those drives were bad screens, couldn't run the ball, and receivers not getting separation because you had a pass breakup or a drop on all three of those drives. But the sixth drive, okay, another short run, another bad screen, goes three yards, one yard. And then Mac Jones, in the face of pressure, eludes that pressure, and hits Mike Kosicki in an out route. Mike Kosicki with his fist pump, like Brady coming down the sideline before a game, converts a first down. There's life, there's energy to this. Well, what happens then? Incompletion to Kendrick Bourne uh, down the sideline. Another breakup. It was underthrown. Darius Slay almost made like a Willie Mays interception. After that, another screen for zero yards. By the way, screens, not good. Philly knew it was coming. And let's, let's stay here for a second, because the reason Bill O'Brien had a problem solve was, of course, he had a problem. And it wasn't just losing 16-0. It was that Philly was playing downhill the whole time. They knew the game plan like you and I knew the game plan. We talked about it last episode or two episodes ago with James White. They went tempo. They mixed personnel groupings. They ran screens. 
They ran RPOs. They tried to run at Philly's defense. None of it worked, and especially the screen calls. More than 15% of Bill O'Brien's play calls were screens. They averaged 3.3 yards per play. And when you take out Ramondre Stevenson's 32-yard scamper at the end of the fourth quarter, that goes down to 1.4. So bottom line, Bill O'Brien needed a plan B and then a plan C. That plan B and C were bunch sets and going into empty. Bunch sets just meaning three receivers aligned tightly to the formation, usually in kind of a, a triangle. And what that did, starting after Kendrick Bourne's deep incompletion that Darius Slay almost picked like Willie Mays, and then a zero-yard screen to Ezekiel Elliott, was a crosser to Juju Smith-Schuster wide open over the middle. And what these bunch sets do against both man and zone coverage is it creates confusion and friction. Either the routes are crossing or they're following one another in a way that makes it difficult to get tight in man-to-man or understand your leverage in zone. And in this case, on third and 10, Juju Smith-Schuster had no one around him. So Mac Jones makes a nice, easy pass over the middle, exactly where he wants to be, because Juju got free because of that natural friction. The tighter the formation, the more difficult it is to follow receivers or understand where those routes could go. They have a two-way go, left or right. If you're closer to the sideline, you're either going to have an in-cut or you're going upfield, and that's it. For here, you can go upfield, left or right. It's really a three-way go. They do call it a two-way go. I didn't sound... Stupid on my own. That was courtesy of some uh, folks I've been talking to in the league. Anyway, three-way go on those formations. The very next play, Mac Jones hits to Mario Douglas, 23-yard corner round, okay, off to the right sideline. Another bunch set. The play after that, what he starts to do with this problem solving is starting to finally attack the linebackers and safeties the way the Patriots wanted to from the get-go. And that was with Ty Montgomery. hits a jerk route, 11 yards. Get some space against Zach Cunningham for the Eagles. Another short run. And Hunter Henry scores up the seam against Reed Blankenship in Eagle safety, who we talked about last episode. These are inexperienced, below-average players at really key positions. And the Patriots finally did that. The next drive, more of the same. Again, starts with a minus-two-yard swing screen. Ty Montgomery goes nowhere. It's a high-low concept in the very next play, attacking those linebackers from tight formations, stacks with two receivers or bunches with three. Hunter Henry over the middle for 13. Henry over the middle again for 13. And four plays later, there goes Kendrick Bourne, 19-yard touchdown from, you guessed it, a bunch set. So I think the Patriots knew they had something with these bunch sets during the week, okay? They understood the type of defense that Philly wanted to play. But... They opted for something else at the start. And when they eventually came back around to them, that's when the game broke open because Philly was playing downhill on all of these RPOs and all of these screens and all of these run calls. And they needed to get them to be back on their heels. And they finally did that by bringing people tight to the formation in these bunch sets, in these stacks, to finally exploit the players the Patriots wanted to the whole time, safeties and linebackers, to create that open space. And it worked. So... That's takeaway number three. Now, you might want to go, okay, what happened on the second half? We have a mailback question just like this. Uh, <laughs> it's it's basically a lot of what we talked about already. Pass protection broke down. Okay, I had Antonio Maffi down for four different pressures plus a holding penalty. City Sal allowed three pressures at right guard. Calvin Anderson did the same at right tackle. He also had a holding penalty. Like, you can scheme up these different things, and the problem solving is encouraging, but the bottom line is, the Patriots will have a shorter ceiling if you don't get better play out of your offensive line. It, it's obvious, but it's just a reminder that 
I get excited about X's and O's talk. I think some of you listening right now get excited about schematics. It's all limited by how much you can take that onto the field and against really great defenses, which Philly's not right now, but it's a really good front. And that's what won out in the end, not only because of two holding penalties like we saw in the third quarter, but Mac in the face of those big moments. Stop playing that well. And the combination of those two things, in addition to still not being able to run the ball, uh, really hamstrung, hamstrung them uh, in the second half. Okay, so you guys have heard me talk a fair amount about betting on this podcast, giving you some advice, told you where to make those bets. So I got a quick question for you. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? Well, good news, and you might have guessed it. There is, and that app is called Odds Are. It's the mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. So just download the app right now. I'm serious, and sign up for an account. And just let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. And if you see red, just don't do it. Move on to the next. Because odds are doesn't take your bets. It makes you better at making them. With odds are on your mobile phone, you're always a tap away from making a smart play every day. It's smart betting made simple. So find the odds are app in the app store or on Google Play and get a two-week free trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that because the casinos and sports books want you to bet, but odds are wants you to win. Go get it. Pat's Interference listeners actually get a special deal too. You get your first 30 days of the app free, totally free. If you go to odds are, that's O-D-D-S, the letter R.com slash Pat's to download the app. That's odds are.com slash P-A-T-S for 30 days of smarter betting. Free! I'd call that a winning bet. Okay, number four. Talk about beautiful game plans being brought to life in the ceiling. The ceiling for this defense is sky high. I was so encouraged by what we saw, not only just from the start, even when they're down 16 nothing, not really the defense's fault, give up an opening drive field goal, whatever that happens. The Patriots adjusted. This was a defense that blitzed five times in the first two drives alone, and then barely blitzed until the fourth quarter. A couple other adjustments that they made that really paid off. They pivoted from more three safety personnel when they were a nickel, meaning five defensive backs, to more three corner. I think there might have been five, and I'll pull it up here now for you, five or six snaps of three safety after they went uh, through the first drive because they realized they just had a better spot, believe it or not, with fan punching bag Miles Bryan on the field or Marcus Jones than they did with these three big safeties. They wanted more speed out there, and they played 48% of their snaps in that package, three corner nickel, 22% uh, three safety nickel, and then 27% dime when they got six defensive backs, three corners, uh, and three safeties. The other part about this was they stopped Philly's counter running game. Counter is different from power because of the way that the pulling guard, which you'll always notice, blocks in power he's going up through a gap while a tight end or an offensive tackle blocks a man on the end of the line of scrimmage in counter that pulling guard doesn't go through a gap he blocks an unblocked guy at the end of the line of scrimmage and philly hammered the patriots with this it's how they had 16 yards in their first run to start the game jalen hurts got a couple of these in a different way you can dress up counter it's not always a handoff it's not always kind of a an option element to it. Philly does a lot of it, but it's the same concept, the same blocking, counter run. The Patriots stopped that. In between getting more speed on the field with their three corners and 
backing off the blitz pressure, which I think, if I had to guess, was a way for the Patriots to understand they're facing a rookie play caller in Brian Johnson, new offensive coordinator for the Eagles, was quarterback's coach last year. And they said, okay, if we show a lot of pressure early, they're going to think this is our real plan for the whole game, where some of that pressure is naturally predicated on um, how many blockers there are, basically blitzing the formation. How many blockers do you have? We're going to ensure we're plus one. It's not six, regardless of what you do. If you keep six in, we'll blitz seven. Okay, so they do that. And then you look at the fourth drive for Philly. They call a screen at the end of their fourth drive. And the Patriots are showing blitz, but then back out. And Steve Belichick managed to stay a step ahead, really until the middle of the second half of Brian Johnson. I think that played a role. The other part about this game plan, in addition to changing personnel, blitzing less, and solving those counter runs, was this was a GTFB game for the Patriots. That is get the bleep back. And it simply means do not let anything behind you. And this was the stat that kept the Patriots in this because statistically this was a draw, whether you want to look at the efficiency metrics, the success rate, which basically means how often are you staying on schedule as an offense? Success rate, Patriots 40%, Eagles 36%. Red zone, Patriots were three of five, Eagles one of two. Third down, Patriots five of 15, Eagles four out of 30, uh, uh, 13. Explosive play rate, okay? The Eagles had 80 plays last year of 20 yards or more. Guess how many they had on Sunday? They had one because the Patriots, GTFB'd. They had their free safeties, whether they were in single high or too deep coverage, off your television screen. These guys were perpetually 15 yards or deeper. And that was a way to say, okay, we're going to do our best against the run and we'll solve your counter stuff. And we understand we're going to have a plan for all this option stuff with Jalen Hurts, which they largely contained. But our goal, our priority is to stop A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith going over the top for these big explosive chunk gains because we know that's what Jalen Hurts wants to do. He wants to run the ball and he wants to throw deep. So we're going to deny him both of those options. Every option run, you're going to give. Okay, Every deep pass, you're going to have to check down. And Jalen Hurts last year was fifth in the league in average depth of target. Okay. That's how much they forced him to pull under. Hit a lot more singles instead of going for the home runs. And so the Patriots, at the end of the game, if you include Kendrick Bourne's 19-yard touchdown, which I do because it was technically more than 20 yards downfield, they had a higher explosive play rate than the Philadelphia Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goffer. 5.1% to 4.9%. And that's a teeny tiny 0.2% making that difference. But the point stands statistical draw because the way the Patriots stayed back and soft coverage, lots of disguise handled those counter runs, showed blitz backed off, came, came forward with it a little bit later. Um, but just a really well executed game plan with simple tenets that they dressed up to look differently from snap to snap. It ultimately made Jalen hurts do things he didn't want to do. And to that point, Devontae Smith eventually got going. There was a moment in this game where he had four catches, one of the fastest players in the entire freaking league for 12 yards and a touchdown, okay? That captures how they kept the lid on the deep passing game. Hey guys, you know football season being underway means our busiest season is underway. School is back in session. You're going back to work. Some of us are going down to Gillette Stadium to hear Bill Belichick say nothing to your face. But either way, if you were looking for convenient, wholesome foods during your jam-packed day, look no further than Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. 
which can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared, dietitian approved, ready to eat meals, and they're delivered straight to your door. They're delivered straight to my door. My wife and I have them now just about once or twice a week because it saves time. We eat well and stay on track with our healthy lifestyles. And right now, you can choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, all ready to eat in two minutes. These are calorie-conscious, nutrient-rich. You can try any of them. Again, dietitian approved uh, if you need an extra boost, try the Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein. Those are my favorite. So head to factormeals.com slash Callahan50 and use code Callahan50, my last name, to get 50% off, 5-0. at C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N-5-0 for 50% off. That's code Callahan50 at factormeals.com slash Callahan50 to get 50% off. Takeaway number five, last one. Uh, I'll have a couple of honorable mention stats. And again, read everything at thebostonherald.com. Christian Gonzalez is going to see a lot more attention. And it's not because Jack Jones is on injured reserve and he's going to be starting and he's a first round rookie. It's because the Eagles got back into this game by picking on him. Okay. And he made the biggest play. Okay. This was almost the inverse of what we saw from Mac Jones. Really good in the middle quarters and then fell apart at the end. Christian Gonzalez makes a pass break up on fourth and two, gives the Patriots another shot to win the game. In the middle, though, the Eagles ate throwing comeback routes at him to Devontae Smith. Once he was at four catches for 12 yards, he got 12 yards almost on his very next reception alone. Devontae Smith comeback, A.J. Brown in cuts, A.J. Brown comebacks along the sideline, deeper routes against sometimes zone coverage, but also man coverage versus Christian Gonzalez. So I had him down for giving up six catches. That number altogether, not all that important. What's important is understanding that when you face Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell next week, and you look everywhere else around this defense, especially up front, by the way, 42% pressure rate for the Patriots, more than the Eagles. Who would have thought that going into this game? The Eagles' best pass rush in the league against the Patriots, starting offensive line with three question marks up front, only got to Mac Jones about 30% of the time. Patriots, 42%. So you've got good answers at defensive line and linebacker and safety and at least one corner spot. What is Christian Gonzalez going to do? He is going to be the bellwether for this defense. If he plays well, like he did in that fourth quarter, okay, this is going to be a great defense. If he does not, that's a one hole they might not be able to plug, partly because he's a rookie, partly because there are number one receivers galore on the schedule moving forward. We've already covered that. So he just needs to be prepared um, because they got back into this game and got a field goal drive in that second half and found a rhythm and built on what they were doing because they kept going after him and had success. And sometimes that'll happen against A.J. Brown. He kept battling. That's what matters. Made the pass break up. And uh, that's it. So honorable mentions, Keon White, another rookie. Three pressures. He looked great. And only 23 defensive snaps. Uh, a couple of them at the expense of Lane Johnson. All pro right tackle. Also got victimized by Judon. But four pressures, uh, including a sack and two quarterback hits and Josh Uche. Um, some other players to note. Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry we talked about. Hunter Henry was your suggested fantasy sleeper here in this very podcast catches the first touchdown. He's, he's basically max go-to guy now, as far, as far as I'm concerned, um, he converted fourth and eight sick grab one-handed goes back for it. He had five catches, 56 yard, both second most in the team behind only Kendrick Bourne. Okay. Kendrick had 11 targets, six catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns. He played 91% of the team's offensive snaps, most among receivers. Okay. He trailed Kayshawn booty because of the way they were rotating. And the Patriots rotated at running back, receiver, tight end, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, safety, everywhere except for quarterback 
an offensive line, but just behind them, Kendrick Bourne really only came out when he needed a breather. And this is a guy who we've been saying is headed for, you can't really call it a breakout year, but the same player we saw in 2021. That's a really good sign, especially for a Patriots offense that was down uh, Devontae Parker. Okay, let's get to your mailbag questions and get out of here. Uh, Frankie, right off the top, speaking of receivers, why was Juju off the field at the end of the game? He was, quote, our big wide receiver pickup, end quote, and he's on the bench during crunch time. Why is no one really questioning it? Well, Frankie, you must have really missed my post-game press conference interaction with Bill uh, Belichick because this is exactly what I asked him, acknowledging that they had a rotation and acknowledging those rotations, like everything else, are purportedly in the best interest of the team. But Juju Smith-Schuster played only 54% of the snaps. And so what this says to me, and this is another takeaway, honestly, that I tabled for later, is the Patriots are still learning very much what they have right now. Like they're got to have it personnel, included Juju Smith-Schuster for a fourth and three in the second half. It was Juju, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Mike Gesicki, Reminder Stevenson. Then they get to fourth and eight, and Juju comes off the field. And so does Ramondre. And in comes Keishon Booty and Ezekiel Elliott. So not just that snapshot, but the bigger picture one where, again, Juju is playing fewer snaps than Keishon Booty and Kendrick Bourne. It's really close to this coaching staff on the depth chart when they look at those receivers. A six-round rookie, two six-round rookies, if you include Demario Douglas, who plays a similar position. He plays the snap, the, the slot, just like Juju. Don't make a big difference when they come off the field and Juju goes back on. Juju comes off and they go back on. Like that's, they see them as very close together. So yes, he was paid a lot of money this offseason. Yes, the expectations were, here's your number one receiver. Uh, all indications so far, including, I would say, a steady but unspectacular training camp, are that that's not going to be the player the Patriots get. He could certainly break out in a game here or a game there. But right now, it's hard to call him the best receiver on the roster, even though he's being paid like it. And uh, Belichick's answer, by the way, was we we feel confident with whomever's out there. And that's the point here. They're just as confident in Keishon Booty, whom Mac went to with uh, two of his last three pass attempts in this game, as they are Juju, who watched those pass attempts from the sideline. Doesn't sound great, but we'll see how it goes. Ashley, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Calvin Anderson? How he played with limited reps in practice? Calvin Anderson, for a guy who came back, I think it was August 31st, um, to me looked great. And and not in a way that he didn't have a holding penalty that, that really stung for the Patriots or gave up three pressures, as I said. But for a guy who dealt with a serious illness, who has not disclosed exactly what that was, again, missed all of training camp, has practiced in pads maybe three or four times this entire summer, stayed on the field for every single snap and did an adequate job is huge let alone against that front and next to a rookie in city sal who yes played guard in college we talked about many times but really spent most of the summer at right tackle and so to handle all of that in a new offense with new teammates against the best defensive line in football hats off to calvin anderson he he deserves your praise for right now if he keeps posting that stat line every game moving forward certainly starting in or i, I would say october give him a couple more weeks uh, then it's an issue, but I think the Patriots are going to get reinforcements soon with Cole Strange and Michael Wanu, and that's going to make a big deal, not only for the whole offense, but the guys next to them, including uh, Calvin Anderson. Jesse asked, quote, after watching the film, what was the biggest difference in the drives where the offense looked great versus the bad ones? Did anything stand out? So this is a boring answer. Again, some of the, the, the problems were big and obvious. 
fumble, a pick six. Others were less so, like the phantom. Yes, phantom holding call, uh, Hunter Henry. I guess that's that's it's still pretty obvious. The referee stopped play. Callahan blew a whistle and said what was going on. Uh, Antonio Maffi's holding call, pretty bad. Other times, it was just sinking timing. Those third through fifth drives, Mac with the receivers. I think Mac was a little sped up, threw the ball high. Once he settled down, things were good. So, no, there was nothing consistent in my mind. Um, didn't have a quibble with many play calls except for maybe third and 11 down there at the end. So it just really came down to you were overmatched from a talent standpoint. You haven't spent a whole lot of time together aside from Mac with Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne. No surprise. Those are his two best and most trusted receivers on Sunday because they've been together now going on year three. And so everything else was going to be a little rough. And it was. So aside from what you already know, I don't have too much more to add. Uh, but again, read through the film review on bostonherald.com. Uh, Cy, hey, Andrew, what snap share slash percentage did you chart for the guys who played the deep safety position, uh, quote, McCourty role? In situations when they went to one or two high looks, our guy Jabril Peppers, yes, our guy, breakout candidate, uh, had showed great range and anticipation on the deep throw to Devontae Smith that resulted in a pass breakup. Yes, this was one of the times that Devontae Smith did get loose uh, deep. Patriots still had it covered. And so it's funny. I don't have exact percentages for you because of all the notes and the silly things and the breakdowns and the personnel groupings and the pressure and all these different things. I, I don't have that exact number, but I can tell you in the first half alone, Free safety position was occupied by Kyle Duggar, Marte Mapu, Jabril Peppers, and Adrian Phillips. And Phillips played, I think, the least out of all those guys, if not third in those snaps, um, just behind Mapu, or maybe he was ahead of him. I have to go back and look. But the point is, when the Patriots told us in the spring and in the summer, we're going to rotate guys in there. Everyone's going to get a shot. They meant it. And I think there is a, a strength in that, and I think the longer they go and get these reps and deeper into the season, the risk will be lower. But again, that is a tightrope back there playing free safety in the single high coverages. It does help, though, the way they were asking them to play. Back up 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage so that you'll have a little extra margin for error in the event of a deep pass or you're taking the wrong angle, or your eyes are in the wrong place. Can't do that every week. Maybe you can do it next week with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, but anyway, they're rotating guys in there. The leader, I would say for sure, uh, among those was Kyle Duggar. And then in obvious passing situations, you had Jalen Mills come on, um, which I actually forgot to mention the, the film review. So now you get a podcast exclusive uh, to play that role on third downs. And Jalen Mills sometimes was covering tight ends. Um, other times was playing the quarterback of the defense, like you saw Devin McCourty do for uh, over a decade. All right, from B. Quote, do you think the heavily usage, uh, heavy usage of two running backs continues when Unwenu and Strange come back, or was it just for the Eagles game? So the Patriots use, let's find it, uh, 21 personnel on 18% of their snaps. And that's what B is talking about. Ezekiel Elliott, Ronnie Stevenson on the field at the same time. Patriots in the past have gotten kind of cute with this, like James White and Rex Burkhead on the field at the same time. Neither one of them is big burly running backs like you would trust either with the ball but not in short yardage okay that's different here with reminder stevenson and ezekiel elliott who also took the field for one snap of 22 personnel two backs and two tight ends and zeke took a snap as a on a fullback dive and, and converted so there's a different dynamic than we've seen in the past i don't think the patriots will get as cute we even saw a triple option run uh really early in the game that when a pitch to zeke that he took for a first down so i think 20 or 18 to 20 percent is probably where you're going to see this offense. But again, they don't know where they're at just yet. 
They don't know their guy to have the personnel. They don't know what they want to be. They were forced because of the game setting and circumstances into playing 11 personnel more than 60% of the time. You're playing catch up. We have to pass. Let's get the receivers out there. That's what that was. So in a neutral setting within one score early in the game, you know, I think the 11 personnel usage probably comes down to about 50%, maybe 45. And I don't know if they bump it up with 21 or 12, because then you're getting into a conversation of would you rather have Zeke out there or Mike Gesicki. Personally, I would still lean Gesicki. And you saw that with some of the, the I mentioned the third down conversion. He had a 17 yard gain in that last drive. He's a better player in my mind than Zeke is right now. They might not agree. They're certainly not as multiple with Gesicki out there, but um, I think the percentage that we saw, like an 18%, you know, 20 or 19 overall, when you include all two back personnel, probably going to stay steady, I think, this season. Okay, guys, taking a quick break from the football to talk about a new Pats Interference partner, AG1. It's a daily nutritional supplement for whole body health. I gave AG1 a try, frankly, because they gave me a call. But now after months of using AG1, I am giving you a call because I take one scoop of AG1, mix it into a glass of water every morning before breakfast and drink it. And right then and there, I know, regardless of how long my day goes, how stressed I get or how busy I am with work down at Foxborough, I have taken care of my vitamin, mineral and nutrient needs. I have taken care of my body and it makes me feel great. And as they say, you are what you eat. And what AG1 is, is a science-driven formulation of those vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, all whole food source nutrients that support your energy, focus, strength, and mental clarity every single day. Who doesn't need that mental clarity, especially nowadays? And AG1 as a whole is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. That goes for you folks taking the one pill a day. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, give AG1 a try and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs through the first purchase. All you have to do, it's very simple. Go to drinkag1.com slash pats. That's drinkag1.com slash P-A-T-S. Drinkag1.com slash pats. Check it out. All right, Pat season ticket holder, 1969. Nice. Uh, this is the second last question. Ask quote, I saw only one first down play action pass called during the game, which was complete. Was this personnel related or what was going on? Um, so the Patriots play action rate was 13.8% for the game. That is low. That is on par with, uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge levels, not to send everyone back and you know, induce a little PTSD. Um, Patricia trauma syndrome. That just, that just hit me a uh, stress disorder. Sorry. It's late. Anyway, it was low because the Patriots didn't want Mac Jones turning his back to the best pass rush in the NFL. That's all that that is. There was a preseason game last year wherein the Giants blitzed and uh, just a preposterous percentage would think uh, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator. And the Patriots didn't call one play action pass. I asked Belichick after. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, well, the game script and what they were doing pretty much prohibited us. And in that instance, in the preseason, obviously, you're just trying not to get anyone hurt. In this game, you're trying to keep your quarterback, yes, alive, but also not turn the ball over, which they did very early in the game. And so I think they saw play action as a risk where, yes, it's a definitive cheat code, and I would encourage a much higher usage, maybe double in games moving forward. But when you can't block, you know, those play-action plays are usually longer developing. So I, I was fine with the rate, maybe tweak it up just a little bit, get to 16 18%. Um, but I, I, it was really more based on the opponent and the situation of the offensive line. Last question. Oh, Biscuits, 
quote, given the fact that no one predicted a win for this team coming into week one, you, sir, or madam, or they, um, did not pay attention to Mike Reese, ESPN, friend of the podcast, predicted a Patriots win. So not everybody. Uh, but continues, do you believe the negative commentary and disappointment spawns from the Patriots actually giving people hope and battling to the end? This was always an L, but it was a fun ride. So I can't speak to the outside commentary about the Patriots. I have been working on my own for this podcast and for the article on the Herald's website, as I've now alluded to a billion times. I just think that, yeah, of course, people are going to be pissed on the Patriots list. Like that, that's how being a fan goes. It's how being a talk radio host goes. And in this town, they typically lean negative anyway, which is a bummer. We don't have to treat sports, interact with them that way. But I would totally push back on the idea that the Patriots were always going to lose this game. Again, Mac Jones was 19 yards in 62 seconds with first and 10. That's how close he was to a win, a statement win, a signature win, a win that has us talking in, in almost totally different ways. Unless you listen to this podcast, which tells you this was a team that you pretty much figured coming into this game. Maybe the offensive line was a little bit better, but the way they had Mac getting rid of the ball, I don't think that the guards, you know, aside from playing the whole game, deserve a ton of praise. I mean, it went as expected. So, you know, I think the Patriots did give some people hope. I think it was the way that Mac finished the first half in a pressure situation with the two minute drill, but all the pressure situations, you know, before and after that, he, he wasn't good. And so, yeah, the expectations were along with the win probability, you go to those charts, Patriots were about 50, 50 to win the game. And it had come down from, you know, 85, 90 uh, earlier in the game. So yes, people are going to be disappointed. I would just say, let it go, move on. Everyone will too. Uh, it'll be dolphins week here soon. So not a lot of Dolphins talk. I know they lit up the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers also lit them up on the ground, which I think the Patriots will try to do the same, uh, working against a new defense, of course, led by a new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, who is uh, one of his disciples, Sean Desai, just um, led the Eagles defense in his first year down in Philadelphia. So maybe there's some overlap game plan-wise, a little more run uh, emphasis. Anyway, it is late. This has been the first edition of Andrew Talks to Himself alone in his office. Uh, post-game breakdown this episode of the Past Interference Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner for the CLNS Media Network. Again, feedback, good, bad, four stars, five stars. Give it to us. We'd love to hear from you. And we love that Patriots football is back. So we'll be back later in the week with a preview. And uh, we're going to have some new segments. I know this did not include what we did last year with what would NFL Films say and some awards. I think we're going to spice things up. For now, I just wanted to give you everything that I had get in I may not get out so quickly because obviously this has been a longer episode uh, but we're going to be a little tighter a little more organized moving forward and that starts end of this week until then see you guys soon.